Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Sneha Kumari. She's a lean Six Sigma supply chain thought leader. So Sneha, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad. Shout out to the super connector, Jesse, for connecting me and just being awesome all the time. But I'm so excited to be on your list and today be chatting with you and sharing a little bit about my journey. Sure, absolutely. And you you have a area supply chain, which I've always had the, the biggest respect for, especially, and I think the, the rest of the world has a lot more respect for, you know, going through some of the, the chaos over the last couple of years. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Supply chain became a thing, like a term. I, I can't tell you, we usually like us, the supply chainers, we, we laugh a lot about this, which is, you know, earlier when, you know, my family will talk about, so what do you do? And I'm like in supply chain. Okay, what's that about and maybe even if someone knew about it they'll be like oh okay logistics but that's about it but right after pandemic there's just been a lot of focus of course because there was pain and pain gave supply chain visibility and now even our government officials are talking about supply chain which makes me feel super proud proud to be doing this for more than a decade now and uh, proud to be associated with all the innovations to come in this field altogether yeah. And within the supply chain side, I think you have a passion area within the supply chain side. Yes, absolutely. And we'll talk more as we keep talking more about it. But just to share a little bit with the listeners about my journey, supply chain is a huge umbrella. And trust me, it's not just logistics. It literally touches every single aspect of a product life cycle that you probably like if you are sitting somewhere and listening to this if you're driving just look around you whatever you have around you has a supply chain behind it trust me so it starts with procurement like literally getting the raw materials in and you know to make something new turn something to something brand new that supply chain to actually managing all the demand and supply and you know how we had baby food out for some time and we were out of toilet papers yes that's demand planning. So that supply chain, warehousing, like where do you stock your products? Like the Amazon warehouses from where it's, or Walmart warehouses where it's released to your houses. So that supply chain, logistics, a supply chain, reverse logistics, a supply chain. When you return your items, that's reverse logistics. So literally like think about it from the birth of a small raw material to actually making, transforming it into a totally different product, everything, supply chain touches everything. And I am blessed to have worked in every single umbrella that I just spoke to you about. So which gives me an idea of like, you know, put things in perspective, the challenges and the wins of all of these teams working together. So the point is, while I was working all of, you know, in all of these different things and firefighting and, you know, getting things out to a customer, something that uh, really struck to me about five years back was how could all of this be put to something that's creating a positive impact and actually also a fulfillment for me personally. And that's where my journey towards understanding the whole concept of circular economy started. Back then, circular supply chains, no one had an idea. 
And I have been volunteering for these organizations, which is Circular Supply Chain Network, where we bring in all the leaders in the different areas talking about the power of supply chains in making a circular economy happen. Now, let me just stop a little bit. For our listeners, if they don't understand what circular supply chains or circular economy is, it's pretty much a setup. It's different than sustainability. Let me share a little bit. Usually people tend to club both of them in the same umbrella. My POV is that isn't necessarily true. Sustainability is big. It's huge. We're talking about 17 sustainability development goals. It's not just about a product. Circular economy is pretty much how, especially circular supply chains, is about, you know, if you have heard of the word lean, we talk about minimizing waste, waste in your process, right? Circular supply chains talk about monetizing waste. That's how simply I could explain it to you, which is a state where the waste of your supply chains become value. And that's how I became, my passion comes from, because everything that I'm doing in supply chain can actually be brought back to a supply chain and not end up in landfills and create a negative impact and increase our pull on the planet. And so that's where the journey started. We have come a long way. Tons of articles, podcasts, speaking, blogging has happened since then. And if you ever would like to nerd on this topic, I'm always available. Ping me. This is something that I absolutely passionately love. Yeah. So monetizing, not minimizing, but monetizing. What are the examples? Let me give you an example. So I'll take multiple examples. Okay. Let's start with if you are a fruit, food, fruit manufacturing company, right? So say you are making um, fruit juices, right? It's a food company. When you have processed all of your food or fruit waste, you either are throwing it in landfills or doing something about it. When that waste actually becomes a value for a textile manufacturer to turn them into some kind of apparels or handbags or shoes, that's supply. That's circular supply chain. That's monetizing waste. Now, literally, there is a marketplace where that waste of this company actually became value, right? It became raw material for another company. Simply put. Now, let me give you something else. Some other example. Like, for example, Unilever has been doing this a lot. So there are some containers that are stranded or not used. Those containers can actually be either turned into modular houses or can actually be used as mobile warehouses right? And now you are putting your production as at point of uses. So it's all about functioning in circles. And the smaller the circle is, the better you are, the lesser the pull on the planet is. Mm, smaller the circle. Smaller the circle, meaning everything is localized. You are sharing. It's a shared economy. You're sharing your resources. You're sharing your raw materials. You're sharing energy. Your logistic costs go down. Now, suddenly, your dependency on forecasts goes goes down, right? Remember, I'm not sure if you you might be aware that steel was a big problem. The prices were soaring for a couple years back, right? Because of the way our supply chains are set up. We have been offshoring for for the longest time. Now, if imagine bringing all of them closer right and being able to function with lesser like smaller like quicker lead times that helps your customer in your customer delivery time so that improves plus your reliance on forecast is immensely reduced because now you're not panicking for all the sine curve dips and bips that you're seeing in in that model so that's what i call a circle like your supply chain is a circle and the smaller the circle the better it is How do you identify or figure out these type of 
opportunities? Do you just look for anywhere that there's any type of waste being produced and then you start brainstorming and asking questions? That's a very, very, very amazing question. I have been personally been advocating of actually having a marketplace someday where literally, you know, like Amazon is a marketplace, right? We go there, we there are sellers, there are buyers, and they're talking to each other. Ripley is doing something similar, wherein, you know, assets, used assets is actually you you go there and then you are able to use it. So having that marketplace is important. It's important for me as a manufacturer because I might actually be getting paid for some of my waste, which probably I wasn't, like I was throwing in, in trash at before. And it's important for me as a buyer because then I'm actually probably getting a subsidized like value, reduced value for raw materials that I could purchase. Of course, it varies from industry to industry, like talk about aerospace, automotive, where it's like mission critical defense, like it's mission critical operations. Quality becomes a big factor, right? Specifications become a big factor and we really need to think it through. But today there are some marketplaces for some of the stuff available. That effort needs to be going out there, right? Where I am going out and looking. So, okay, as procurement, I'm in procurement. Today, my goal as a procurement manager is reduce my costs and have my risk mitigation, right? Reduce sole sourcing, single sourcing, if you understand that, right? My third goal should be, which isn't today, is source second sourcing secondary materials. What percentage of my items that I'm sourcing today is actually getting sourced from secondary sources, right? It's not virgin raw material. That's a goal. And when that, when that becomes a strategic goal, automatically you will take the effort to go out there look for companies. Where's the waste coming out from? Who could I use actually as possible secondary source? You know, now suddenly you're, you are working in that direction. There isn't one marketplace that has everything from textile to food, to construction, to, you know, raw materials, to in to industrial. You, there, there isn't something like that exists today, but I do have a positive feeling that it will at some point, but there are some fragmented focused marketplaces that we can go out and look for. I mean, typically, well, yes, of course, procuring, bringing the stuff in or finding stuff to sell on the way out. Typically, uh, the supply chain or operations isn't linked to selling effort. Isn't, isn't. So for procurement, supply chain is linked, right? Because you are bringing raw materials. For selling, it's not, right? But that's the pretty much production. So production is part of supply chain, right? Because now you are producing and there is crap. Now, what do you do with your scrap? You either analyze your scrap and put it back on your shelf or you do nothing and you throw it in trash. Now, that's where a role comes in where you actually analyze it and see who can find like find a secondary market for it, find yeah. secondary customers for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What other sort of misconceptions or things or trends in supply chain that uh, you notice? First of all, the first misconception was that I said, like, if you think logistics is supply chain, that's not true. Everything is supply chain. Everything around you has a supply chain running behind it to make it happen. If you are interested, go out there, look for it. Actually, if you if you buy um, packaged fruits or anything, if you look in the details, you will actually see the literally the passport of the product, how far the product has traveled and come to you. So that many regions are involved in actually making that product happen. 
So it's amazing. There are also some websites that actually gives you some idea. It's an open source website, but I, I don't remember the name right now, but I can find it for, for the viewers if they're interested. It gives you exactly where the product came from. And also like a lot of companies do life cycle analysis, right? So they also would know where things come from. But anyways, coming back to misconceptions, that's the first misconception. Supply chain is huge. Everything touches supply chain. I do want to talk about in general, like the overall, like recently my focus has been in construction, right? And with a lot of anticipation, I have been watching this space of modular offsite construction, which is a better sustainable way of, it's a perfect combination of construction and making it more sustainable. For the longest time, I mean, I I actually have figures where construction has been like, you know, it, our productivity in this industry has probably grown 1% or 3% maximum. Like there was a McKenzie report, like every year there's about $10 trillion of construction related spending, imagine. And that's equivalent to about 13% of overall GDP. I'm talking about the world economics. Now that makes construction the largest sectors. And that also makes construction a biggest sector of attributing to the waste that we have been creating on our planet, right? And the carbon footprint that this sector has. Yet there has been very minimal, like poor improvement in productivity, more so because there has been lack of uh, innovation, lack of people actually leading, like thought leaders in this industry. And that's why my like that's why my interest in modular offsite construction is because it's a greener way to construction. We are getting there. There needs to be more regulations around it, and also more uh, awareness on why it's better, why it's not only better for you know planet, not only for your sustainability goals, it's also better for your business. You get your ROI sooner. It's your lead time to build a building goes down immensely. The quality is improved because now you are actually manufacturing. So moving from project to product mentality is a way to go. And I just feel like it's not really a misconception. I just feel there's lack of awareness. And I would say in a misconception standpoint, like, you know, a lot of people, I mean, companies, organizations are not realizing the value that this mode of construction brings today. And we we probably need more talks, more awareness, more articles and proof uh, stating why it's popular and why it's going to add value to your business and also the planet overall. Very nice. Is there anything I haven't asked you? I mean, you already mentioned a few things, but is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to particularly share? I know that this podcast focuses a lot on entrepreneurial journey, right? And like I... I have been innovating all my life and I just like, you know, if the listeners here to your podcast is really entrepreneurs, I would just really like to highlight the importance of finding that product market fit, actually leaning on your network to make things happen. And a bigger misconception there is you need to invest a lot of marketing dollars to make things happen. You have to eventually, but when you are starting and and when you're starting a product, you really need to understand your target segment, niche on it to the extent you can. It's very, very hard to scale a broader product where you have multiple users, you know, point of users. So niche down to the extent possible. And there's absolutely nothing as overnight success. So these are just some of the myths that's, that's been broken for me recently. And maybe you had with your like two decades of entrepreneurship, this is nothing new, but I'm just telling you like, these might be said a lot, but these are so true. 
so true. Like there's nothing called overnight success. Every overnight success has 10, a decade of sleepless nights that went behind that happening. And, um, you know, being frugal, starting with your customers and working backwards is something that we really don't give enough credit for. Don't leave your customers on this journey. You might think that everybody is doing a good customer service. They are not. There are way too many products leaving customers behind and do not focus on adoption of the product. So yeah. these are some of the things that I have learned in the journey that I definitely wanted to leave, because, especially because your podcast is focused on entrepreneurs. Sure. Something came to mind as you were doing it. My, my knowledge of supply chain is, you know, it's very light, although I did sit on a supply chain board. So I do know a little bit about it, but um, I know that one of the things that's not talked about a lot is the supply chain aspect of a business model can drive a business model. And I knew like one of the key ones back in the past was Dell's model. But my question is, are there any current companies that are using the supply chain as their competitive advantage and how are they doing it? Well, that's a great question. I'll start with firstly, like understanding, like sharing that supply chain for the longest time was a cost center, like was treated as a cost center. And that mentality is changing. It's not there yet, but it's changing. And it's talking now about it's becoming the profit center because now people are getting ahead of things and understanding why it's important and what it drives. Models, every. I highly recommend there are multiple models that's floating out there that you could pick up and utilize. The goal is to start somewhere, right? The most popular is the score model. Not sure if you heard of it. Apex, previously Apex, now ASCM, Association of Supply Chain Management. It's a nationally accredited institute for supply chain, has the most recent score model released. And it's pretty much about, you know, planning, sourcing, transforming, returning, like, how all of this orchestrates together. And the best part is actually Circular Supply Chain Network contributed to this core model with adding the circularity aspect to it. So I'm pretty proud of being part of the organization that I am today. We literally contributed, one of our thought leaders contributed to it because for the longest time, they didn't have any concept of circularity, which is not great. And so now, now it does, it does talk about circularity in some means and form. It has to evolve, but it's a good starting point. So you can literally go there if you have, if you know nothing and you really want to transform your supply chain, it doesn't matter what industry you are in, go in, learn a little bit. It's a free resource. Go and read a little bit about it and you could adapt it, but adapt it for your needs. You need to understand, not, I mean, the whole concept overall is valuable. How do you execute it is something that you can adapt. Not every business is complex. Not every business is simple, right? And so make sure that you're adapting the data models, the overall concept, the processes around it. And, you know, lean in on experts. There are a lot of supply chain experts like me out there, <laughs> shameless plug, like me out there who could actually help you understand, envision your current state and actually help you navigate, see a path on what the future state would look like with data on why, uh, what what your improvements would look like. So yes, but I highly recommend tech is growing and will be a catalyst in making supply chains efficient. But firstly and foremost, understand what's your current state processes, because if your processes are not strong, any tech will fail always. But yeah, I mean, to talk about models, score is a pretty popular model and accredited. Go go check it out. Like listeners, go check it out and you could evolve it for your needs. Awesome. 
and you know with what you are doing i I know you're you're you've got a lot of expertise on the lean sick sigma stuff but um how do you see the future for yourself how are things evolving for you so Lean Six Sigma has just been part of what I've been working on. And then came the whole circular supply chain concept. And it really takes a lot of lean concepts and then, you know, expands and makes it more valuable. For me, my approach with my customers have, has always been understand what your, your strategic goals are. Are you growing? Are you just trying to sustain? Are you right now, you grew scrappily? in a scrappy way, but you're trying to now, you know, manage things and, you know, get a better hold of your bottom line, whatever the goal is, I need to understand your goal and then where you are at. Once you get a good understanding, because a lot of times, I mean, it's so undervalued, a value stream map or even a current state process process map is a, is a big eye opener. It's a very big eye opener for any leader who's running a company. And, uh, I actually attempted to do a process map of my own day personally and find out, you know, how much time I was uh, just wasting, right? And not any, I mean, downtime is not wasting, but I'm just talking about like, you could like many lean concepts are actually very applicable to your personal life too. You know, setting that benchmark and understanding where you're at is important, which I feel like it's still lacking in many traditional industries. I think the some evolved industries at least know where they are at. They're making an effort. They know they, there needs to be a change, but they also don't know how to navigate that change, right? Change. So you, you mapped out for your personal life using these concepts. So you must have thought about where are the places where the inefficiencies are happening. Yes, the where, waste. Where, the yeah, burst. where's the waste in the a burst. day-to-day, like where, in general, you know, for people that are listening? I have two kids, two very young kids, right? And I am literally running. I'm my mind is like constantly trying to multitask, although you can never multitask. I'm constantly multitasking. But something as simple as uh, you know, there was a thing that I needed to use to make my kids breakfast that I used to walk multiple steps for. I literally redesigned my kitchen to bring it closer to my point of use. Something as simple as that. My travel right? How often do I need to really go? How flexible can I be with my work operations? Like simple things really saves you time, but you really need to take the effort to just stop, think about it. What are the things that I can actually cut down on? What are things that I critical path in my day? And I can't do like everything needs to work around it. Like my, you know, kids pick up time or drop off time and everything else needs to work around it. So that's my critical path. Like that two hours is not going to go anywhere. So how do I see where other bursts are and improve it? Or how do I actually, you know, crash my critical path? Can I outsource that? Can I, you know, find this uh, school that's closer? Anything like simple things like that. But giving you an example, like it's yeah. it's so basic, but thinking about it, trust me, do it. Take my word, map your day out. You will find one, one improvement opportunity. Unless yeah. like you are a mastermind, supercomputer, whatever you call it you will definitely find a space where you could actually minimize your waste and uh, make your time a little more. Revisit it. How can you rearrange your environment? Is there other things that you can introduce in your day to make it go smoother? New resources, new way of thinking about it. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that what I am seeing is there is more appetite for change Yet uh, there is, it's more at the executive level. I think the culture mindset shift has to trickle down to the level of the doers, 
that hasn't happened yet. And that's where I come in where thinking like having a go-to-market strategy is important. Go-to-market isn't just about your product. It's also about delivering your culture, delivering new processes, delivering a change. That's where I come in. Perfect. Thank you for sharing. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.